hakika wema nazo fadhili hakika wema nazo Welcome to Movable Dough. This is Steve Danielson. Each week, I get to sit down with a living composer and talk about their lives, their musical journeys, and of course, their music. Join me and take a peek inside the mind of a composer. For a complete archive of episodes, as well as access to the shorter segments called Movable Snippets, visit my website, sdcompose.com slash movabledough. Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Movable Dough. My guest today is Dr. B.E. Boykin. B.E. earned her B.A. in music studying piano performance from Spelman College, a master's in sacred music from Westminster Choir College, and a Ph.D. in music education from Georgia State University. In 2017, she was featured as the conductor slash composer in residence for the 2017 Harry T. Burley Commemorative Spiritual Festival at Tennessee State University. BE has been commissioned and collaborated with several organizations, including a number of ACDA divisions, the Minnesota Opera, and the Kennedy Center. BE Boykin, welcome to Movable Dough. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So I hope you don't mind, but I would like to ask you about your name first. Uh, I've never met someone who goes by the initials BE. Uh, (laughs) So was this what your family called you growing up, or was this something you decided on later? Yeah, so no, this was something I decided on later, uh, trying to get into the composition world and trying to shop my music out. I felt like going by my initial name, Brittany, um, I felt like there was some gender discrimination. So I said, you know what, let's try to see if we can maybe uh, curb a little bit of this with just going um, with our initials. So uh, so I decided on BE and, and then I was like, oh, it, it kind of looks better I think (laughs) (laughs) sorry mom if she's listening but yeah so let me go with BE but yeah BE stands for Brittany Elizabeth Um, but yeah I decided to go with my initials for that reason fantastic well speaking of growing up uh, you're a native of Alexandria Alexandria Virginia correct yes yes I am did you grow up in a musical family there I did. Both of my parents are very musical. They did not um, pursue music in college, but we were, or they were very active in our church. And so I was very used to singing and choir from a very young age. I would go with them to choir rehearsals because I would just, I would just be in the back, either working on homework or anything like that. But I was very musical or part of a very musical family. And um because I was interested at a very young age, they saw that and they said probably since about three, I was very interested in music, but they didn't put me in piano lessons until I was about seven. Okay. Did you have siblings doing music as well? or I did. So everyone was tasked with learning piano. So we all took piano lessons. I was the only one that stuck with it, but we all played piano and then we all had a secondary instrument. So I played piano and I had, I also play viola. I'm not that good, but that is, yes. Viola. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So why viola, not violin? Was someone else already playing violin? No. So I actually, I, So I think I was just drawn to the fact that I was singing alto a lot Uh in choir and then also in high school choir. So I just felt just drawn to viola because of that. And then alto clef and then, but no, my, my siblings played, my sister played saxophone and my brother tried trombone a little bit. And then, um, but yeah, I was the only one that kind of stuck with those instruments. (laughs) Well, viola, saxophone and trombone, that could make a a fun family band right there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and I think it's funny and kind of all speaks to like our, our personalities too. So it was just kind of funny. <laughs> uh, so what did you like to do for fun with your friends when you weren't in music lessons? Oh, uh, that's a very interesting question. I, I don't think I had a lot of friends growing up because of that. I was one of those kids. I was, I was in music, everything. So a lot of my free time was taken up with choral festivals, competitions, all states, honor choirs. So I, sad to say, I don't think I had a lot of friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, music kind of was my friend. I did have a few like close childhood friends, but that was mostly from like church and, um, some of our like social groups, like as families and hanging out with friends, but yeah, not so much friends at school. Unfortunately, uh-huh. I had, a, I was in everything. I was in choir, guitar ensemble, orchestra, marching band. Like I was that kid. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So on your website, you mentioned a certain Mrs. Alma Stanford. Who is she and what was her impact on your life? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Miss Sanford was my first piano teacher um, at age 10. So at age seven, I started just trying to read and I was having lessons at that age. But by age 10, Miss Sanford came into the picture and she started me on like my classical journey so that I didn't start studying classically until um, I met with her. And so from age 10 on through high school, she was my piano teacher. So, I mean, she was really the one that kind of awakened that like musical, I guess, desire or passion or love. I mean, I think she was the teacher that saw something in me at age 10 that I didn't really see or know myself. And I'm just grateful for her and for a lot of teachers like that, that kind of encouraged me at a very young age, because I just knew I loved music. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I didn't know I was going to be able to make a career out of it, but I was just surrounded by very supportive teachers throughout middle school and in high school. And I'm just grateful for all of them. So when do you think that point was that you decided you wanted to pursue composition? Um, so composition was just something on the side for a very yeah. long time. It was almost like a hobby. I mean, I was maybe songwriting and back then we called it like making beats, um, <laughs> like with like fruity loops and like all the software I was making like beats with like my friends, but songwriting. And then it evolved. I think it's a composition. I took an introduction to composition class at Spelman and that was required for all music majors. And it was only one semester. And that I think started the, the interest in the hobby of writing for choir. Um, I was able to write a few pieces and Dr. Kevin Johnson took a chance on me and and I'll never forget it. It was a homework assignment and he asked everyone to arrange a Negro spiritual. And so I picked Go Down Moses and I wrote it for Trouble Voices or arranged it for Trouble Voices and piano, turned it in. And he was like, Boykin, this looks good. We're going to try this out in rehearsal today. What? (laughs) And I mean, from that point on, I mean, I think every year after that, I was arranging and writing for the Spelman College Glee Club, like as a student. And again, another major teacher mentor figure in my life that just took a chance on me. And it just it began to grow into something. But it was very much a hobby. I did try to pursue it um, in college. I think I applied to maybe about five composition DMA programs. Uh, what was that about 2017? So by then I had a decent portfolio. I had a lot of choral pieces. I think I had a solo piano piece and maybe some instrumental duets. 
Um, but I, I think, I, I'm not sure, but I, I got rejected from all composition programs to pursue my doctorate in composition. So it was just a hobby. Like, I think I just told myself that I wasn't getting a lot of traction with publishing either. And so just started my own publishing company and then the whole doctoral thing happened. So I think in my mind, I was like, maybe it's the God and the universe telling you just to do it on the side, you know, not so much try to pursue it professionally, but it just eventually grew into something. And it's just, it's been a very interesting journey. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of your professional journey, uh, you're now a professor at uh, a professor of music at Georgia Tech University. Uh, as you work with your choirs there, how does your work as a composer inform you how you conduct the choir or vice versa? does it inform? I, I think I would like to think that it's informing me because I'm forcing myself to be sure that I'm listening, listening as a, as a whole or listening to all parts and how they fit and how they come together. Um, not so much that maybe conductors don't, who don't compose or don't arrange, but I think that's what I'm thinking about initially. Like when I'm in rehearsals or trying to prep for concerts, I'm trying to hear how everything is working together and, um, yeah, I'm just trying to use my ears and, and trust myself. But I think composition and arranging has definitely helped with that, at least for me. Yeah. So as a college professor, I know you probably have a quite busy routine uh, that you that you go through. So when do you find the best time is for you to compose? Do you have a time set aside for that? Yeah. So I actually have to schedule time. So I have two days out of the week that I do nothing. And those are I, I treat those as like my weekends. Um, because that's literally like the only time that I would have to myself. Um, I don't try to work on those days, but most of the time I do end up composing on those days because that's the only day I can do it. <laughs> but other than that, if I didn't carve out time, I would be essentially working every day. And I know that, you know, between college and then a church job and then all the other stuff, it feels like you're working every day. So I have, I have to be very intentional of, of carving that time out. So that's when I normally write. Oh, fantastic. So can you think back now and remember a premiere or performance of one of your works that was particularly memorable to you? <laughs> it's funny. I actually just talked about this with someone the other day. So yeah, going back to Spellman um, with Dr. Kevin Johnson, giving me moments to hear my music, mostly in rehearsal and um, then sometimes in concert, but he would be the one to always conduct. And I'll never forget, I had arranged or I had set... Um, I think it was, it, yes, it was an arrangement of In the Bleak Midwinter. I think this was my junior year and he had been playing or accompanying us on the piano, but uh, I don't think I was conducting it. And we literally were getting ready. So this is during the Spellman and Morehouse Christmas Carol concert, my junior year. It's three nights, major Christmas tradition. If you've never seen it, you should see it. Um, so two nights are at Morehouse and then one night is at Spelman, and the first night is always at Morehouse. So this is the first night and we're getting ready to walk on stage and he leans over. He's like, hey, Boykin, you're up. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're conducting tonight. <laughs> As we're walking on stage <laughs> and I'm a junior in college and I'm like, what? So that makes me 18. I'm like, what? And keep in mind, these concerts are always like packed. They're sold out. I mean, we don't sell tickets, but they're, they're packed. So it's in King, King Chapel. I mean, it's just, it's packed. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah, by the time we get to that piece in, in the concert, I'm like, 
oh, what? I'm like, I'm, I feel like I've never conducted this. But, you know, again, another moment where <laughs> I know he was doing the right thing as a mentor, but like literally just kind of pushing me out there and getting me to kind of face my fears and in, in a way. <laughs> but um, that's something I will always remember. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, nothing like <laughs> baptism by fire, right? Oh, not, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So what is a a piece of advice you would give to a composer who is just starting out today? I will share the advice that was given to me by Dorothy Redmore, um, which is if you want to write, baby, just write. I was trying to ask her, you know, just trying to maneuver like being a woman, being a black woman in the field. And I told her like, you know, I'm not quite sure like how to do this or if I should be writing and I'll never forget it. But those were her words. She said, if you want to write, baby, just write. I was like, okay, well, that was simple, (laughs) easier than expected. So I always say the same thing. Like, I mean, if it's in your heart, if you love it, if you love doing it, keep writing. I mean, I, I think if you're, as long as you're doing it and you're not doing it to try to make money or be famous. You're doing it because you love to do it. And that's what you need to do to feel whole or feel like you are a whole musician. Um, just right. Just right. I think I need that up on my wall in my office. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So I've got one more question before you, t- before we take a break, and this is not music related. Uh, okay. What is your favorite color? And what do you think that says about you? Uh, my favorite color is purple. And I, I love all shades. I think I grew up loving lavender, but it's, it's, it, goes, it goes back and forth between the la- lavender and the royal. But I, I hope that that means that I am royal or royalty and that I carry myself well. I think that's always been my, my fear is that maybe like I'm perceived one way, but I, I just hope that I'm carrying myself in a very regal way. Fantastic. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will listen to some of B.E. Boykin's compositions. Welcome back. I'm talking today with B.E. Boykin. So we're going to start today with Consolamini for SATV a cappella choir. So this piece has a rich, mostly homophonic choral texture. Uh, Since you have a degree in sacred music, I was glad to see a a sacred piece here. Uh, Can you tell me, sort of the part that your faith plays in your compositions and about this piece in particular? Ooh, that's a, my faith plays a huge part in, in my writing process overall, but definitely for this piece, uh, it's, it's very dear to my heart. I mean, the translation is um, talking about not being fearful and finding comfort um, in, in God and, and trusting. And I think you have all of those themes kind of coming out in the, in the text and I think I just tried to lean into that. And the irony is I was going through a very horrible breakup at that time. And I had no idea. I think the music came first. And so I was just kind of playing through the music. And then I don't think I found the text until maybe a few days after I had finished the music. Hmm. Interesting because I felt like the text, it, it just fit perfectly. I didn't have to kind of move a lot of notes around and then put it with the text and then realized in reading the translation, I was like, I feel like God is speaking to me <laughs> in my own situation. And I'm like, who, who would have thought that maybe I, God was trying to talk to me by allowing me to kind of work through this piece. And so it just, it's very near and dear to my heart because of that, that season. So, yeah. That's beautiful. All right. Well, we're going to listen now to Consolamini. 
All right, our next piece today is Unified Prayer for SATV and Piano. So this was commissioned by the Georgia chapter of the ACDA for their virtual conference in 2020. And I understand that you wrote both the words and the music for this one, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, would you mind if I read the text for everyone? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay. May peace follow you, quiet your heart. May hope follow you, be your light. May love follow you, hold you in its hand until we meet again, amen. So yeah. I know when you receive a commission, you're sometimes constrained by the demands of the commission ensemble. What did they ask for? And what did you want to say through this piece? Uh, I think this was probably one of the more challenging pieces because I think this was the first time I've ever written text for a piece. I'm used to getting poems or scriptures or something and then setting it. And then I think they tasked me or not tasked, but I think they just offered. They were like, yeah, you know, feel free to write the text. And I was like, <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> they had enough faith and trust in me. So I said I would try it. And then I think I just tried to, again, lean on um, my spiritual background and just think of like, well, because they said, oh, it should kind of be a bene benediction response or something like the Lutkin, which is very near and dear to my Westminster choir family. And I'm like, ooh, no pressure. Not, not, the, not the Lutkin, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> So that kind of set the bar really high, but I just tried to, yeah, lean into my spiritual background. And then just with everything that was going on during that year, I was just like, what if I were saying something, not just musically, but with text, what would I want the world to know? What, what would I want to say to the world? And I think those elements of love, peace, and, and, and hope kind of really spoke out to me. So I thought it would be nice to kind of think about that in the text and that's where we went. So, so yeah. this was first performed in a, a virtual space, correct? Correct. Yes. But it has been performed live. I believe well? it's performed live a few times. I know I received a recording from Mississippi uh, with Dr. Gary Packwood. And I think, yeah, maybe a few churches have, have picked it up since then. So I think there have been a few performances of it. Awesome. Well, we are actually going to listen to the recording from Mississippi State University Chamber Singers uh, of Unified Prayer. Thank you. 
All right, our next piece today, We Wear the Mask for Solo Voice and Piano. So this is a setting of the poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And this has nothing to do with COVID masks, but instead more symbolic masks that we wear. Uh, Could you tell us about working with this text and what was going on in your life and in the world as you wrote this? Yeah, I think this was also 2020. I mean, it felt like we were kind of right in the heart of of Black Lives Matter uh, resurfacing again. So um, this was another one of the more challenging commissions because of, like you said, the the symbolism and and what I felt like our country was dealing with um, during that time. And yeah, just trying to really evoke that emotion, but also thought-provoking text painting, um, depending on who is performing it. And I think it's one of those interesting pieces where anyone could perform it and it could symbolize a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Um, But I, yeah, it was just, it was another very emotional, emotional piece. And so, um, but I was very grateful for Mira Vision's ensemble. And then of course, um, Abby and, I just remember his last name. We know. Uh, Grant. Grant. There it yeah. is. Uh, just their artistry is always on another level. So, um, but yeah, I was very grateful for the project and for the text. I don't think I had ever really thought about um, text by um, Dunbar, but this one was very special for that reason. Did you, did you know Abby and Grant before this project? I- I did. So um, MVE has also commissioned um, me before. The very first piece that I wrote for Abby was Secret. And that's a text with um, poetry by Gwendolyn um, Bennett. Um, And so, yeah, this was my second project for them. Okay. We're going to listen to We Wear the Mask. Oh, 
our last piece today is Joshua Fit the Battle for Treble Choir and Piano. This is a great setting for younger singers, uh, mostly unison with minimal divisi. Was this written for a specific ensemble that had particular needs? No, I mean, this was one of those pieces, um, yeah, where I just, I wanted to set it and I just, I think I was just writing and I was like, oh, this would be nice for a children's choir. Um, but yeah, no, no commission, no project, just, just writing. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. It's just different. And I think it, it, it's nice, especially if you have uh, younger singers and you're trying to slowly introduce them to harmony. Um, it's definitely a great piece for that. Yeah, I, I loved the sort of the funky groove in the left hand of the piano. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you were intentionally trying to keep it simple, keep the choral part simple for those younger singers. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, well done, because I, I, I think it's a great piece. Thank so we're going to listen here to Joshua Fit the Battle. Well, Brittany, what are you working on now that you can tell us about? <laughs> I am getting ready to shift my focus to writing opera. So please keep me in your thoughts and your prayers and send all of the positive energy. Um, because, yes, I'm getting ready to shift my writing focus to opera. Um, I've never really dabbled in opera, but I, I'm excited about the possibility. So, yeah, that's where we're headed. Is, is this someone, something someone asked you to work on? Is this like a commission yeah, project? A few people, yeah. A few commissions coming down, 
coming down the um, itinerary with a few different companies. So, but yeah, never, never dabbled in it before. So, but we'll see. I'm very excited. That's exciting. Uh, Well, where can my listeners learn more about you? What's your website? Where are you on social media? Uh, My website, beboykin.com. If you would like to look at the catalog or to purchase music, uh, it's Clavia Press, K-L-A-V as in Victor, I-A press.com. And I am on social media. You can find me on Instagram mostly. I am on Instagram and Facebook, but Instagram is beboykin or b.e.boykin and then but the handle is underscore clavia k-l-a-v-i-a yeah, where did that name come from <laughs> i also um spelman college this name is coming from spelman i was fulfilling my spanish requirement and for whatever reason i was <laughs> thinking about musical names and i was like oh well clavier is the german word for piano I was like, well, let's just make it Spanish. And <laughs> I think Twitter had just come out. So I was trying to figure out a Twitter name. And so there we go. Clavier with the Spanish little thing. So Clavia. <laughs> there you go. And now it's your publishing company. That's awesome. Yeah, that was my company. <laughs> well, hey, listeners out there, if you are looking for more great music of all varieties, go back into the catalog of Movable Dough uh, of the interviews. Find some great music from previous guests like Andrea Ramsey, Jake Renestad, Rosephanie Powell, Maura Smiley, Fahed Siadat, and many, many more. We're coming up on episode number 50, so there's a lot of music waiting out there for you to discover. Visit sdcompose.com slash movabledough for a full archive of episodes and links to the composer websites. B.E. Boykin. It has been a joy and a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me on Movable Dough. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. My guest today was composer Dr. B.E. Boykin. If you have a recommendation for a future guest or an idea for the show, please email me at movabledough at gmail.com. This is Steve Danielson. Keep the music moving. Keep the music moving.